Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson, his wife Carlotta, and their daughter Hannah Miller, this program will help you understand that human beings are more than just physiology, that for people there's more than just diagnosis and treatment, and that in life there's more than just medicine for a cure. This is More Than Medicine, and the doctor is in. Welcome into More Than Medicine. My name is Hannah Miller, and I'm here with my dad, Dr. Robert Jackson. And this week we have a guest with us, Jimmy McPhee. And we're going to be hearing about Jimmy's story this week and next week. So stay tuned uh, this week and next week to hear the entirety of that story and what God's been doing in Jimmy's life. Well, we're honored to have you listening in with us today, and I'm excited for you to hear Jimmy McPhee's testimony and the story of his life. I became acquainted with Jimmy just a few months ago, and he and I have become fast friends in just a short period of time. In fact, I'm now on his board of directors for his organization, and that's a privilege for me. And so, Jimmy, let's jump right in. Uh, I understand, Jimmy, that you spent 45 years in the prison system in South Carolina. Is that correct? That's correct, sir. How old were you when you were first incarcerated? Actually, 19 years of age. I was 20 when I started the second sentence. I got you. At, at what age were you when you were released? 65 years old, just a handful of days after my 65th birthday. Jimmy, I'm 65 years old. Do you realize that almost all of my growing up years, you were in prison? Yes, sir. I was in college in 1975. I, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed and I'm brokenhearted all at the same time. Now, you became a believer while you were in prison. Is that right? That's, that's correct, too, sir. Now, after how many years in the prison system was it before you became a believer? Twenty years after I entered prison, before I reached a place where I had to look up. Did you, did you ever ex- expect to be released? Actually, for many years, no. I, had, I was told by many that I would never see the outside of a prison cell. Well, now, go, go all the way back to your childhood, and I know our time is abbreviated, but share with us your story. Our listeners will be very intrigued to hear your story. I like to call my story Voices and Choices, and I think it will become evident why as I walk through it with you. The first voice I ever heard in my life was my dad. My dad was a World War II vet, uh, a hard man, a good man, but a hard man. Uh, he didn't show a lot of emotion, and he taught me much the same. He was married six times. Uh, his third wife was my mother, who uh, a voice I didn't hear much of as she walked away when I was just 15 months old. I would have three more stepmothers by the time I was 12. By the time I was 15, I had begun to drift off into the world. I began to display a lot of anger. Uh, things that were missing uh, at home, uh, I compensated for in the, in the outside with with school and sports. I was an honor roll student, two-sport athlete, and did fine. But at 15, I began to drift away, making poor choices, running with the wrong crowd, listening to the wrong voices. At 16, I was about to be expelled from school. They offered me to take a GED, thought I would be able to pass it. And lo and behold, I did. But the one stipulation my father had was for me to finish my education before I would leave from under his roof. And at 16, I had a GED, and off into the world I went. Uh, 
mixed up with the wrong crowd for many years, being just not only use drugs, but sell them. So my life became one party to another, one drug sale to another, and then as the arrest mounted, one prison cell after another. At 19 years of age, I served one year in prison for possession of narcotics. But the year didn't make me better, it made me very bitter. And that one year I came out uh, like a manufactured ticking time bomb, if you will. Four months and seven days after my release from that one year sentence, I committed murder and seriously wounded a second man in an armed robbery. For those crimes, I was tried, convicted, and sentenced to die in the electric chair. I was 20 years old when I paced the death row cell. And I remember when I turned from the judge that day after he pronounced sentence, and the last words he said were, may God have mercy upon your soul. And as I turned, my father stood in the front row of the courtroom. And I remember how hurt, but how angry I was in that moment. Because all I'd ever learned to do was channel my pain inside, and then it came out in anger. I walked away from that courtroom that day from that judge, basically declaring war on the world. Uh, I felt I had been forsaken by all, and therefore it was me and everyone else. While I was on death row, in fact, the very next day, a librarian by the name of Frankie-san, a little Japanese man, came to my door, uh, handing out books, and this is how he introduced himself, with words that would resonate across decades of my life. In a little pidgin English, and a voice that I still hear every day, almost in my thoughts, he said, my name is Frankie-san. I love you, and Jesus loves you. He does not care what crime you committed. He'll forgive you if you let him. Well, of course, that was a gospel in just a few words. Was I ready to embrace it at that time? No, I was angry. I was polite to him. He was a nice man, and he had books, and I liked to read. <laughs> uh -huh. But he went on his way. And uh, over the years, I would hear the voice. I watched him take care of many, many prisoners, much like myself. That was his job, to come distribute books to the lockdown areas where I was segregated from the general population of prison. But the anger and the, de the war I declared on the, war became, on the world became very evident in my anger, striking out at correctional officers, striking out at fellow men on death row with me, just bottling up anger. My father had been one, if you would imagine the analogy of a bottle, if you walk around with your thumb over the top of a liter Coke bottle and it shakes as you walk, well, eventually the thumb comes off and you make a mess. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with our own emotions. I bottled up my own emotions for years, much as my father had done. And life has a way of shaking you up, and eventually you make a mess. And I continue to make those messes, unrepentant for my crime, unrepentant for the things that I'd done. I did feel the pain of watching my father age 20 years in the moment I was sentenced. I remember feeling that and, and, and understanding that how my actions were hurting others. But those choices were mine, and I don't blame anyone else. I take full responsibility for that. At 21, 22, and 23 years of age, I had my birthdays in a death row cell, pacing a cell. By the grace of God, I didn't recognize then I was given a life sentence with a parole date after being resentenced from death. Actually, 26 of us were through a, basically a, a flaw in the South Carolina's death penalty statute mm -hmm. to begin with. But I would spend the next 20 years in and out of solitary confinement because of my anger, because of my unrepentant way, uh, using drugs, selling drugs just like I had done as a teenager. Really nothing had changed except I had replaced a, a liquor bottle with homemade 
uh, wine we made and uh, and knives became the replacement for guns on the outside. But basically my lifestyle continued. At the age of 40, I was locked away in solitary confinement for what they told me would be the rest of my life. They carried me back to court, gave me 10 years on my sentence for two serious assaults. And I was told that I was now sentenced to the to his maximum security unit cell for the duration of my prison time. I was serving life, so it wasn't hard to figure out what my future hold what would hold. I remember feeling so broken in that room and, and asking myself, how did I get here, much as I had done on that death row cell 20 years before. And I realized that there had to be another way somewhere, another way of, way of doing life. But I read a book, book by the name of Victor Frankl. The author was Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. And two books, his book and the Holy Bible, would change my life. But I remember him saying that he uh, entered death camps in in uh, World War II as a, as a, as a uh, exiled Jewish man, a doctor and psychologist. But he had an observation mind, a keen mind for things. And what he watched is what people were dying and being worked to death or sold, slowly starved or carried to the gas chambers, that there were two choices it seemed to be that people could make. One was some would take their very last and give it to their fellow man, knowing it may shorten their own life but help extend another's. Mm-hmm. Just that idea of putting other people first. And then there was the other kind, much as the way I live my life, who looked for the weakness in someone and would snatch maybe the few meager crumbs that they had left. And what he says in that process is that when all freedoms are taken, there's always one that remains, and that is to choose your response in that situation. That I could continue to be the savage that I'd been, or I could be the saint that Jesus Christ says we are as believers. Uh And in between that and the thought of this man, Frankie Son, who would come back again, I would hear that voice. I wrote him a letter, told him where I was, how broken I was, how hopeless I felt, and how badly I wanted something different. I just didn't know what. And he wrote me back, and he almost said verbatim what he had said 20 years before, that I love you and Jesus loves you. He doesn't care what crime you committed. He will forgive you if you let him. Give it all to Jimmy Jesus. Drop it all to the cross. Give him your hopelessness, your brokenness, and your addictions and your anger, and allow him to begin the healing. Well, I had trust issues that went back to my youth, obviously not having anyone, any stability in the home and a dad that was pretty hard. So it took me a while back and forth conversing in those letters. But he would answer my letters, eight, nine, ten page letters faithfully, answer my questions. And then at last, I, I uh, remember sitting on a stone, a cold bunk, or had folded my mattress up during the daytime. And I sat down and I just began to, uh, to pray. Just, uh, share the sins of my life and the pains that I caused others. And uh, as I began to speak, I began to cry. And I remember how it seemed like the pain seemed to be released as I released the tears in proportion to the, to the pain. And when the tears at last stopped, uh, I felt something. The first time in my life, I felt a peace enter my soul I'd never had. Uh-huh. And even beyond that, I knew for the first time in my life that I would not be alone. Mm-hmm. I knew that uh, I, I understand now it's the indwelling spirit accompanying my walk, and, and he was always there. I just really just had to uh, give my heart to God and, and allow that uh, transforming spirit to enter into my walk. I would spend the next five years, that was two years after I went to solitary confinement. 
I spent the next five years reading the Bible, studying, disciplining my life every day. I came up with what I call, what I call today is the key to life. Well, number one is to discipline your life, and that is physically, mentally, and spiritually every day. You must do that every day. The second key was to serve somebody. Now, I couldn't learn that while I was in solitary. I was released after seven years that time. Well, they, they changed the duration sentence to a possibility of release based on my behavior. Mm-hmm. Released to the general population, not to, not to the outside of mm-hmm. prison. Mm-hmm. At that time, in the year 2000, I had served 25 years in prison, and I had served 16 years of that in solitary confinement, including my death row time. Now, when I was released into the population, I knew I had a new look, outlook on life. I'd been reading scripture. I'd learned about this thing called truth I didn't understand until coaxed by... I am coached by my friend Frankie Son to keep reading. John 18.37 says simply that when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate and he asked him if he was a king and he kind of going back and forth and at last he told Pontius Pilate, he said, I've come into the world for this, to witness to the truth. And anyone who listens to my voice, uh, anyone who wants to, is a part of the truth, listens to my voice. Mm-hmm. And I remember Pontius Pilate's response was just like mine. What is truth? That's right. And I want to know the answer. And I began to dig, and Frankie helped me. So I found that truth along the way, and the truth is simply that in Matthew 28, probably the best example, when Mary Magdalene and the other Martha went to the tomb to check on Jesus, and the angel was sitting on the rock, and they said, where is Jesus? And he said, he's not here. He has risen, just as he said. That's right. Billy Graham said they're the most powerful words ever uttered in American That's right. history. That's right. He is no longer here. He is, he is <laughs> and that truth would transform my life because what it would do is allow me to understand the need for me to have a truth, an overarching truth in my life. But more than that, that Jesus had conquered sin, Satan, and death with that resurrection. And in doing that, it allowed me to know that no matter how deeply I was entombed, that I too could rise from my circumstance. All of us can. Yes. But the addictions, the anger, they really didn't have to put me in a cell. I had four walls surrounding me of hopelessness, really, yeah. of hurt, of anger and addictions. But Jesus knocked those walls down. And then over the years to come, would transform my life by taking those walls and turning them into a relationship with him and with others in this, in this, in this beautiful life that I walk now. But at my first re- release to the prison population, I, had, I struggled because I didn't been tested. I found out very quickly that our movement of moving it from our mind to my head to our heart and our walk uh, application requires other people. That's right, it does. By it? yourself, you're not going to be tested like <laughs> you are. And I was tested, and I didn't do so good at first. I had some struggles. But as the years went on, I got more in, 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 uh, involved in different programs, church programs, especially Christian programs, and in education. I studied for so many years so hard, reading so many books in lockup. I, I, I estimated in my time I read 1,000 books a year on average. Uh-huh. And so, you know, you can, you can kind of multiply You had plenty those. of time, yeah. didn't you? Well, I say 1,000 a year. It's more like a few hundred, but for every decade, they yeah. added up. They added you up, know? didn't they? As the time went on, I, I, I understood that some of the knowledge made me feel better about myself. I, I, I gained more self-esteem, uh, much more self-worth. But the one thing that most determined my self-worth was that I was forgiven for what I'd done. That's right. And in that, I no longer had to carry the burden of that shame of, of watching my father, age 20 years, in that courtroom, of, of understanding at last what that judge meant when he asked God to give me mercy, to have mercy on my soul. Yes. And when he did that, 
uh, I didn't I didn't appreciate it. But as the years went, I understood. Yeah. And God has given me grace over and over again in that mercy. You are now listening to More Than Medicine. I'm Dr. Robert Jackson, your host. We're listening to a testimony of a good friend of mine, Jimmy McPhee, who spent 45 years in the prison system in South Carolina. And Jimmy, I'm going to turn it back to you. I want to hear the rest of your story. Keep talking, brother. We're enjoying this. Well, in 2005, I got involved in a program called Kairos, a Christian program. Uh, men come in from the outside and serve and spend time with us, mentor us. Uh, also, another program, as the years went on, would be Jumpstart, which, which I'm affiliated with right now. And they're a reentry program that trains us on the inside, mentors us, gives us Christian values, character based on three principles of accountability, of authority, and responsibility. And, and training us on the inside is preparing us to be better citizens upon our return to society. Mm-hmm. I taught that class, and I would become a teacher and a tutor. And math. I taught mathematics to, to public speaking, uh, taught these various Christian courses over the years. So I, I like to say a funny thing happened on the way to heaven. God turned me into a teacher. How about that? How about that? And, and many of the lessons that I realized that I even share today, well, I learned not only in a solitary cell, but in a classroom instructed by professionals along the way. Mm-hmm. And they all apply. It doesn't matter where you learn the lessons or how long the journey is, what you take away from it. That's, right. that's so important. That's right. And as the years unfolded, 2005, 2010, 2015, I began to move into leadership in all the rehabilitation programs across the state of South Carolina. The CBU programs, they call it character-based units. Yeah. I went from being a, a mentor to a lead mentor, from a tutor to a lead tutor, uh-huh. to leading the various arms of the programs, loving the administrative part of it. And finally, I really reached the, the height of everything that there was to do through the various programs, rehabilitation program, and I was suggested that I de, be, uh, investigate the CIU program. CIU is Columbia International University, well-known university in the state of South Carolina and around the world, actually, who developed a prison ministry would only choose 15 inmates a year out of 20,000 inmates in the Department of Corrections. Uh-huh. And I was chosen through a very stringent process, an interview process, to be a participant in that program. Mm-hmm. And I spent two years in that program, growing, learning, growing closer to God in a Bible college. And I graduated in December of 2019. There were two people there, a sister who had come back into my life, who I loved dearly and, and really I didn't know from my early years, my mother had left with her when I was just a baby, mm-hmm. and we reconnected when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And she stayed with me to watch me through ups and downs for 45 years of prison, but she was there to watch me graduate that day. How about that? And there was another individual there, too, very important to all the story. His name is Kuzo Maishi, also known as Frankie-san. How about that? At 90 years of age, he was there to watch me receive my degree for Bible college uh, uh, completion. And I actually finished at the top of my class just from working my tail off for the whole time, <laughs> wanting, to get, wanting to get closer to God. And, and I understood that's what Bible college was about, learning the spoken word to his children. And you get closer to him in doing that. Uh-huh. Just three months later, now I, I, I must add this for the sake of perspective. Uh-huh. I was locked away in 1975 for the crime of murder and told that they wanted to execute me. In 1995, I was locked away in solitary confinement. I said, just isolate him. In 19, 2000, excuse me, in 19, I graduated Bible college. And the two main 
purposes we have for finishing that program, not only going closer to God, but become a light and sharing the gospel to the prison yards of South Carolina mm-hmm. and to be a peacemaker in the, in the prisons in which we were sent. We were sent out on a mission. Yeah. This is the same man that they said is not worth redeeming his life, that he's to be locked away forever. But Jesus Christ said, no, I have a plan. That's right. God has a plan for each and every one of us. Enough. Once we at last look up and understand that our only source, our real source of strength in this world, of power, is from the grace that he bestows to his children. So undeserving as we are, and, and grows us into the model of the son that we all want to emulate as we become closer to God. Three months after my release, I was, I was sent on a mission immediately in, in 19, when I graduated college. But just three months later, I went before the parole board. I had been before the board 17 times over 35 years I went up for parole. Most people told me for many, many years, you got your life back from a death sentence, but you'll never see the outside again. Well, it was hard to just accept that, but I, as I became a believer, I trusted God that he was, uh, whatever he was doing in my life, if he, if he designed for me to be released, then I would, that's what would happen. In fact, I told the parole board after I served 40 years back in 2015, that at last I understand whatever their choice was today, whatever their decision was, that I would be at peace with it. Because I last understood that I was never ready to leave prison until I was ready to stay. Mm, that's right. Until I could be free there, I could never truly be free anywhere. The way it was kind of the way I looked at it. And, of course, they turned me down again and a few more times. Not in the interim, I went before uh, CIU, graduated there, and became a, basically out on a mission to the prisons. But God decided on my 18th time up, <laughs> 44 years, 9 months, and 20 days from the day this told me that they wanted to execute me. God said, I'm a, I want to continue my plan for your life, to go out and walk in the purpose that I've given you. Now, he gave me something more than just a purpose in life and serving him with the gifts that he's given me. What he gave me is motivation to get up every day and to serve the world in which he is placed in our care. And I know, too, that it was three tragedies that, that happened when I committed my crime long ago. I took the most precious thing in his human life, and that is a human being. The second one was that I had to spend decades in prison for my crime. But the third tragedy that multiplied or compounded the first two was that I didn't learn anything for the first 20 years. Hmm. I would spend 25 more years in prison after I gave my life to God. And so it's a good lesson, I think, for others to understand that within uh, a situation, uh, you know, Paul's prayers, there were many, many Paul's prayers for the churches he founded, but not one of those prayers did he pray for the circumstances to change for the church. That's right. What he prayed for was the change of the people within the circumstances. That's right. And that's what he did in my life and helped me to become a mentor and a teacher and help others change within those circumstances so that they could advance in life and be soundly accepted as a good character individual wherever they went, whether it's society or not. Yeah. And that's basically been my mission for years now on the inside. And now today, I'm uh, blessed to be able to continue to go on with my mentoring. I teach some for Jumpstart program, which I'm a member now. Uh, so six weeks, I'm sorry, six months I've been in the program. Yeah. And I moved to the second level about six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I'm moving well. I've created a ministry, uh, On the Rock Ministries. Uh, we're blessed so much. God has put the same way I like to say that on the inside, many people came through the prison gates. And God sends people in their life to hook you. 
through the people he puts in your life. Well, those same people through Kairos, through Jumpstart, and through CIU continue to hug me here on the outside. Uh, guiding me, mentoring me, and showing me a way to be uh, successful in, in God's um, uh, way of seeing what a successful life truly is, and that is giving to our world, being a way every day to add to the world in which we, we... If I walk up on somebody in the course of a day, I feel like every day God has put me out on a mission, and that is we all have a, a part of this wonderful plan that he has to bring all his children back home. Mm-hmm. And it's our job every day to find people along the way and make, leave them a little bit better off than we found them. And do that with the lessons that we gain along our own path and uh, share the hard lessons maybe we've been through. I've been through a few, and I hope that they'll have value to others as I continue to share what God has instilled in me to help others. Well, tell me now, what's the name of the ministry that you have begun? On the Rock Ministries. And, uh, How'd you come by that name? Well, it's, it's <laughs> very interesting. Uh, on the Rock, uh, first of all, the Rock uh, is, is, of course, Second uh, Corinthians ten four, and Jesus is the is, uh, is the Rock. Yep. Uh, the second one is my 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 life verse is Psalm forty. The second verse of Psalm forty actually says, "He set my feet upon a rock That's right. and established my steps." Yeah. And it goes on uh, for, for several words of been giving thanks to God for what He's done. But the third one is <clears throat> in the prison cell blocks. We call the rock the bottom area, the rock area. And because my ministry is to reach back to those that I left behind, that's my mission as much as anything I do. You can't walk away from 45 years of prison and not look back. Yeah. And I, I am a beacon of hope for many who uh, see me as a, if this guy can do it, anybody can. That's right. And uh, that's my ministry on the rock. All right. Well, Jimmy, you've got a powerful testimony, and I, I have thoroughly enjoyed hearing it. I, I think I've heard it three or four times now, and each time I hear it, it's a blessing to me. If, if folks that are listening to us today would like to get in contact with you and have you as a speaker or, or even just get a hold of, of the pamphlet, you, he has a wonderful three-fold, trifold pamphlet that shares his testimony. Uh, in fact, he's going to share uh, a mass, distribute that in the prison system. Is that correct? 8,000 actually are being delivered probably this afternoon as we speak wow. to, to the head chaplain of the SEDC to distribute crown off 21 institutions in the state oh man well i'm gonna be praying over those gospel tracts because they're they share his testimony and they share the gospel and it is a powerful story so if folks want to get a hold of you what can they do well the name of the ministry is on the rock as you know now on the rock jimmy.org on the rock jimmy.org it was the web page now that's being constructed as i speak but there's already little information on there but there'll be more as it proceeds in the next couple weeks my email address was jimmy at on the rock jimmy.org so think of the ministry name on the rock jimmy.org well put my name in front of it so it's jimmy at on the rock jimmy.org so jimmy's got to go in front and back yes there you go okay well, I want you to know this has been a, just a delightful testimony. We've thoroughly enjoyed hearing it. We're just excited to hear what God is doing in your life. And we're going to continue to pray for you as things unwind and develop in the ministry that God's called you to. And we're going to be praying for all those gospel tracts as they go out into the prison system. Thank you. Now, Jimmy's going to be back with us again uh, next week. We're going to be asking him some very detailed questions about the time that he spent in the prison system and the lessons in life that he learned. Those of you who've been listening, 
remember that we've been talking about Joseph the dreamer and God the sovereign. Joseph was in prison for 17 years. Jimmy was in prison for 45 years. And Jimmy has a lot of lessons that he has learned about God's sovereignty. And he's going to be sharing those lessons with us in our next session. Thank you for listening to today's edition of More Than Medicine. You can follow Jackson Family Ministry on Facebook, Instagram, and on their website. Be sure to contact them via jacksonfamilyministry at gmail.com for speaking engagements and for book information. Join us next time for More Than Medicine.